0: Hey guys, you ready to let the dogs out? Hey, Ready? Ready? Set? Set. One, two, three, go! You know my name, but who are you? Wesley. Here is what the truth is. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Wesley demands. (laughs) It's
1: funny because he's fat. It's already (laughs) mutated into human form. Shoot it! Don't
0: presume to tell me what I will and will not do. You don't know me. Oh,
1: well, What's your real name? Iris. Oh, Iris. Well, what's wrong with that? A proud daughter of these hills. What are we gonna do? They insist on
0: outside opinions.
1: What kind of opinions?
0: Well, while you're kind not to put too fine a point on it. I mean, let's face it, in your particular field, you're the top minds. Whatever,
1: whatever!
0: So the moral is,
1: don't <laughs> do drugs. That's it. Welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. And today we are talking about Jackie Brown. Although I have to clarify, I'm not actually here anywhere with Wes. I am recording from my home studio. Where are you, Wes? I'm in bed. Sounds about right.
0: Still coronavirus studios. We've just expanded. (laughs) Exactly. Greatly expanded.
1: 1997. So Jackie Brown is Quentin Tarantino's third film.
0: Third feature film, after Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. So at the risk of revealing your age, 1997, you were still in the middle of high school. And we chose this movie, I chose this movie, I guess, for a number of reasons, uh, not the least of which that it was filmed where we grew up.
1: Yeah, that Uh, was trippy.
0: Yeah, it was filmed in Hawthorne, Torrance, and uh, Carson, an adjoining city. And uh, yeah. Compton. (laughs) <laughs> Compton, yeah, all our time in Compton. So we spent, both of us, in our formative years, a lot of time at Del Amo Mall, where a lot of the movie takes place. And I remember, although I was out of high school by this point, I remember people saying that they had spotted Sam Jackson in his silly hair and goatee uh, walking around Del Do you remember any of this at the time that it was filming?
1: No, this was not on my radar whatsoever. I think that this was probably in between... 90210, and Buffy, both of which were filmed at <laughs> Torrance High. And that was, was kind of my extent of exposure to the movie biz.
0: So Tarantino worked in Torrance. He worked at the Putty Tat Theater in Old Torrance. And his uh, video store, Video Archives, was in Hermosa Beach or Manhattan Beach, one of the two.
1: Oh, yeah. That's also a yeah, featured so... location. Or Hermosa is also a featured location.
0: Yeah. So this is his jam. Thematically, aside from hanging out at Melanie's house on the beach it was it didn't feel very 90s pretty clearly a 70s throwback yeah
1: 70s 80s yeah
0: yeah so uh obviously Jackie Brown herself is a mm, relic probably not a good word although by this point it might not be too far from the truth a relic of uh 70s black exploitation films she was foxy brown and a bunch of other uh Quentin Tarantino diehard fan wanted her for this movie, wanted her for a role, in fact, in Pulp Fiction, the one that ultimately went to Rosanna Arquette and uh, did, was determined to get her in one of his movies and did so, in this one in a big way.
1: You're talking about Pam Greer.
0: Yeah. What did I say?
1: Jackie Brown, but same diff.
0: Yeah. She kind of is Jackie Brown.
1: So Pam Greer was a big black exploitation actor?
0: Yes. So she did three or four movies, Foxy Brown, um, What's the other one called? Um, it was a cat food. Sheba. <laughs> Sheba. Uh, something else. So she was known for this, um, has fond regard for those movies. Uh, just, you know, black exploitation films no longer in fashion. So uh, she's moved on. I don't know that she found her place, really, before or after Jackie Brown. This was definitely a career highlight for her, especially as she, you know, got a little bit older. But beyond this, I don't remember seeing Pam Grier in a lot of movies. Uh, in the late '90s, early 2000s.
1: This is the first time I saw Jackie Brown.
0: So I, really, yeah. So I woke uh, Kelly up yesterday, and I was like, "Hey, you want to watch Jackie Brown?" And she was like, "I guess so." Not the biggest Tarantino fan, but you know, and definitely this has elements of Tarantino. He's unmistakable in some areas, particularly with Sam Jackson and and uh, Robert De Niro. But I think it was a different kind of movie. It uh, it is the only movie to date that he didn't that he adapted from someone else's work adapted from the novel Rum Punch by Elmore Leonard. We were aware, especially in the South Bay growing up, Quentin Tarantino was a huge thing after Pulp Fiction. Uh, and a few years later when Jackie Brown came out, everyone was kind of on top of it. It uh, took a little bit of pride in the fact that he came from our area, so people were excited to see this movie coming. Um, and then when it hit, I'm not sure it was what anyone expected of it. At two hours and thirty minutes plus, um, kind of a longer, more measured movie.
1: Did it feel longer, seeing it now, as opposed to like back in the '90s?
0: I don't think so. No, I think it was a lot longer feeling in the '90s because you were waiting for Pulp Fiction cool, and you were ready, you know, waiting for Royale with cheese and snappy dialogue, and it was. This is by design. Quentin Tarantino has said that Jackie Brown is a kind of movie that he loves, that he wanted to make, that is certainly different from his other types of movies, especially when you consider what came afterwards with Inglorious Bastards and Kill Bill, of all things, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might be a little bit closer to it. But this is what he considered a hangout movie. He liked the movies where the plot wasn't as important. You get a sense of character through... The fact that they're hanging out with each other and there's a lot of talking, he really likes it. Like He cited Rio Bravo as an example where a lot is going on, but it's still, in essence, a hangout movie. And that's how you get to know the characters. And there's certainly a lot of that. They're literally hanging out, just like with their shirts unbuttoned, on the couch, watching videos about chicks with guns.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's they spend the first, what, 20 minutes of the movie in that Hermosa Beach apartment.
0: Yeah, I feel like there was a part of Tarantino that's like, well, people aren't, you know, I don't know that they'll stay if they don't get a little bit of me off the bat. It seemed like sort of a quintessential Quentin Tarantino scene, which is actually a really hard sentence to say for some reason.
1: <laughs> it's quintessentially Tarantino, and I feel like he oftentimes has a scene that will really set a tone early on.
0: We This scene follows the really long, measured uh tracking shot down the the walkway at LAX. Right, that he uses also in
1: in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. When Leonardo DiCaprio and his Italian bride come through LAX, he shows that same location. But not in the same way. But that's very iconic.
0: It's not dissimilar from the opening scene of The Graduate when Dustin Hoffman is on the moving walkway. I think that, and over the title sequence, I think it's almost identical. It's just not at the same airport, I don't think uh san francisco because huh. he went over the golden gate bridge
1: that's right that's right so having context for quentin tarantino's other films jackie brown certainly did feel like an outlier to me and it was more just kind of a weird walk down memory lane for me like seeing Delema mall resurrected in all its glory and yeah. all of its biggest it's been... mall in america
0: glory so you weren't prepared for that at all because yeah For those who don't know, Dalamo Mall has changed consistently over the last, you know, 20, 20 plus years since, and it is completely unrecognizable. I grew up in that mall and trying to walk the route that Jackie Brown was once in, I can do it, but it does not feel at all the same.
1: I mean, I haven't been there for years. I think they had redeveloped it to be outdoor or something. And I just remember it was in development, redevelopment for years and years and years after I haunted those halls, but I vividly and certainly and clearly remember i clearly remember that sam goody i yeah frequented that orange julius or that gloria jean coffee place like that food court
0: uh, the food court is a big deal yeah that's yeah that was our hangout um so i really want to hear about your experience going into this movie not realizing that it was basically about Uh, where we grew up circa 25 years ago i knew that
1: he was from around torrance and i know that mark walbrook's character from boogie nights is from torrance and he takes the bus all the way up to Reseda to work at that restaurant because he's got a big old schlong
0: and it's actually (laughs) and it's actually a pretty uh you know torrance is a pretty big city but it's it just sounds strange in other people's mouths Thing that came really from
1: there. Has. Yeah, it was, it was really, so I knew all these things about Quentin Tarantino, but I didn't know that Jackie Brown has, was his love letter to the city. And it really felt that way to me. It really felt like he was paying homage to where he come from. And in a way he captured it. Jackie Brown is like this weird time capsule for the torrents that I grew up in and remembered that we grew up in that we knew so well. So intimately it's it was really bizarre, and maybe it was a little distracting for me because I found myself getting really caught up in locations and maybe less involved or less invested in the story.
0: Well, if the settings are familiar, and if you feel like it takes place in a place that you identify as real across the board, doesn't that lend it some, some weight and credibility, or is it distracting when it's a place that you recognize?
1: It was. It's a little distracting knowing that this is a place of bygone times.
0: Yeah, that's true. So in that way, I guess, is it dated? Because I don't think that he was striving for the crisp, clean photography that would have suggested a movie of its time. It definitely feels grainy to me, uh, watching it now, uh, that he wasn't, uh, wasn't averse to the idea that it might look like some of those 70s films.
1: Yeah, well, it certainly feels like a film that's caught between eras. Like, it's drawing from all these 70s film story techniques. But employing 90s film technology and with these contemporary, weird contemporary actors that I didn't expect to see together. So Pam Pam Greer was new to me, but Michael Keaton, I know from both Batman days and Birdman days. And (laughs) Robert Forster, who, you know, we just talked about who was in El Camino and Breaking Bad. So, like, it's weird because these actors seem contemporary to me in some ways, and yet, also, seeing them in this weird time capsule is kind of weird.
0: Yeah, Robert Forrester has made no secret of the fact that his resurrection came directly from Jackie Brown in the same way that maybe, to a lesser de- degree, John Travolta was kind of brought back into the limelight. Not to say that he headed up any major movies after that, but his acting career was definitely on the decline, and he attributes any remaining or lasting uh, fame to Jackie Brown. He was going to play one of the lead roles when Mulholland Drive was a TV series. And, of course, he was on uh, on Breaking Bad and El Camino, the follow-up movie. And I really like him a lot. I, I love his delivery. And I think that he was kind of a hard, like a battle-worn kind of guy as a bail bondsman who was ready to throw down with the stun gun, sitting in someone's living room if necessary, but never really came to that and was older and wiser by the t- time Jackie Brown came into his life.
1: Yeah, really, a lot of insight. If it's true, it gave me a lot of insight into the bail bondsman's life and work. I mean, seriously?
0: Bail bonds and bounties. the rough business.
1: I thought it was just prison banking.
0: Prison, <laughs> prison banking, yeah.
1: The fact that I learned a lot about bail bonds people is also another indication that I was like, oh, that's curious and interesting, and I'd never known that about a bail bondsman before. And... Uh, and indicative, again, of how kind of out of the story I was.
0: Oh, okay. But we can't taint Max. Max is the best dude ever.
1: Yeah, he's a good guy. When Jackie Brown at the end said, I didn't use you, what was she trying to say?
0: Well, I think that she was orchestrating this whole thing for her gains, and she brought him in to help her lift this money. And it seemed like their growing closeness and her pulling him into this uh, she wasn't manipulating him from the start because of his obvious interest in her.
1: So she's essentially saying, I wasn't leading you on, even though that's exactly what she did. She just didn't lead him on from the start to get something she needed. She definitely... Well, she was offering when she him said, to
0: come with her to Spain, right?
1: Yes, but that wasn't her intention for showing up at the office that morning. It was a little bit of an afterthought, and I thought a little bit of a pity offer.
0: Well, I think the offer was open. He might have taken it. Um, they definitely did some smooching, but I feel like he came full circle. He, she came to represent that which he didn't want in his life anymore. That kind of life that the bail, bail bondsman afforded him to get caught up and to possibly be looking over his shoulder for the rest of his life uh, because he's following her in this dream and sort of. I, I don't think that he would have been able to keep up with Jackie Brown. And so I think that he kind of wanted, didn't want anything to do with it in the same way he didn't want to do bail bonds anymore.
1: But he could have had his first adventure in his new life. It didn't have to be for forever.
0: Yeah. So you think that, uh, that he was being taken advantage of then? Maybe I just, I just like think these characters so I d- much that I, I don't want them to have ill intent, especially towards each other, right? They were both they were both older people. Max was older than Jackie, certainly, but they still had this sort of rapport and they bonded over the fact that they weren't young anymore and they were doing this this change of life that both of them were going through was because they didn't want to be uh, you know, old and in the same place, stuck in places where they weren't happy.
1: Yeah, old and stuck without another opportunity to change. I like yeah. them too. I wanted, I was rooting for them, maybe not necessarily to be together, but for them to have the second chance or the new life that they longed for. I'm just making the small point that she said. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Toulousema. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Toulousma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electric as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electric I didn't, I didn't use you when that's kind of exactly what she was kind of saying the, the opposite of what she did. Like she's saying, I didn't use you. And by saying, I didn't use you, she was saying, I led you on, but it, but I didn't do it for a bad purpose.
0: Right. So he, she was laying out what was obvious, but hoping that he didn't take it personally or that she didn't have affection for him. That's right that's right. Yeah. So, and then she rode off into the sunset and he kind of stayed behind. Uh, in Cherry Bail Bonds, you know, it seems like it was pretty telling that he kind of was where he didn't want to be. You would have thought that we would have revisited them and he would have made his change by then, you know, shuttered its doors.
1: I still held out hope that he was going to leave the Bail Bonds business. And the fact yeah. that they introduced his colleague who was in his pictures, the ones that yeah, Sam Winston. Jackson... yeah. The fact that they brought in Winston, I felt like, was maybe a small indication that he was going to be passing on the business. Maybe I'm reading into yeah. it.
0: So talk about 90s actors. You had Tiny Lister Jr. as Winston, who was in a bunch of 90s movies. He was in The Fifth Element, and he was in uh, the Friday movies, and, and he was a big deal for a minute. And we used to see him hanging around the South Bay.
1: Like, not just while shooting Jackie Brown, like in general?
0: Yeah, but before that. I mean, we kind of knew who he was, and uh, Lance saw him at Gold's Gym and a few other places. He pulled up in a giant, shiny white car that had Tiny on the license plate.
1: (laughs) What did Sam Jackson call him when he saw him in the pictures?
0: Uh, That big Mandingo-looking (laughs) N-word?
1: What's a Mandingo?
0: Mandingo was the famous black porn star with the giant dong. He was like the black porn superhero who... Would it, he was like the black porn James Bond, who was replaced with successive giant donged black dudes, but it came from the other Quentin Tarantino uh, era kind of character. the The mandingos were the giant fighting uh, b- slaves that uh, that Candy and uh, a bunch of people staged slave fights for for money and fun.
1: Aside from them being a lot of violence in this film, the only thing that really Takes it over the edge is the N word.
0: So obviously, no surprise for Tarantino fans. He uses that word maybe more freely than he should. But the people that un- that understand don't freak out about it. It may be a bit excessive, but it should be noted that this movie sets the record for the all-time Sam Jackson Emmer mother- efforts at like 36. Dude, more than any other movie.
1: It felt like it, and it made. But it did add to. Or Del Robbie's mystique. He's a pretty bad dude. He's a bad-looking dude. You can't trust any dude with a chin braid. And his yeah, hair that's was really totally freaky. Skeevy. It's the skeeviest. It was weird. His character was perplexing for me because there was nothing redeemable about him, but he was kind of likable.
0: Well, you, everybody loves Sam Jackson. Is it, I mean, it, he's obviously likable because he can get Melanie to hang out with him.
1: And that was maybe that was it. And that's what ultimately turned me for him that he kind of cared about her, even though he only revealed that by saying she used to be beautiful or she used to be fine or something like that. At the end, after he murders Lewis,
0: I think he was saying to Lewis, your ass used to be beautiful. They were buddies."
1: No, he was saying what was wrong with what's wrong with you. Like what happened to you? You got all soft or you got all messy or something. But then after he killed Lewis, he was lamenting the loss of Melanie. I
0: don't know. We might have to revisit now that we both own this movie because it was only a dollar more to buy it than it was to rent it. <laughs> right. Okay. A lot of purists really like this, this movie among the Tarantino movies, maybe because it stands out and a lot of people would like to say, uh, a lot of people I know say that this is their favorite Tarantino film, but I think that's just trying to buck the trend.
1: Yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, maybe people like it because Tarantino went all out on a genre that he loves.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what he's good at is is recognizing, adapting genre pictures because he's such a fan of them and emulating them in a way that becomes cool and novel and and accessible again.
1: Right. Because he loves the pulpy genre. He loves 70s exploitation. He loves
0: Hong Kong action flicks. Spaghetti
1: Westerns.
0: Yeah. Well, who doesn't?
1: Right. Exactly.
0: The, so this the, the genre of film obviously this is a 70s style film i don't know that it counts as black exploitation but uh Kelly and i were discussing this what how do we typify this movie does this movie qualify as a heist movie
1: yes but i ain't know what's going on any of the time
0: you didn't know what was going on so we let's get into the sort of how convoluted the heist itself was i think that there was a lot going on that this movie is deceptive in the way that you have to pay attention to everything that's going on. Um, Chris Tucker, uh, another obviously big-time 90s face, right? Bridget Fonda, um, in, in one of the roles, uh, maybe one of her final roles before she disappeared into obscurity and hanging out with Danny Elfman all day. But all these characters are important. Um, Chris Tucker as Beaumont, was the one who originally got arrested. It d- demonstrates how brutal uh, Ordell is as a character, and he tipped off the ATF to Jackie Brown, got her in trouble. They brought, they were waiting for her when she came through customs with Ordell's money, and they were waiting for her, and then they set her up so that she needed to clear her name so she could keep her peddly job. And he was f- re- worried that she was going to rat him out to avoid doing time, just as he knew that Beaumont would have ratted them out. So this starts the whole cat and mouse game between uh, Jackie and Ordell. And Ordell needed her. She didn't need him. She needed her job and to be stable for once because, you know, she was aging and didn't have a skill set and was kind of trying to hold it together the best she could.
1: He needed her because she was his only means of getting his money out of Cabo.
0: Right. And uh, and so that leads us into the really super convoluted and complicated uh, money runs.
1: If he needed her so badly, why were we led to believe that he might kill
0: her? Uh, because he killed Beaumont so ruthlessly, and I think that he would have killed her and just found another uh, Cabo air stewardess like he did Sharonda, uh, you know, fresh off the, the the bus or whatever. He would have found someone to bring his money in, and that would have been less risky to him to find someone new than it would have been for Jackie to drop dime on him and for him to go away and never get his money anyway.
1: So she convinced him not to kill her, because well, one, she had a gun; she had a gun on him at the moment, but also because she had a plan.
0: Because her willingness to kind of let him go, to not kill herself, kill him in self-defense or whatever, I think imparted the trust that, if. She wanted to rat him out, as Max said later on, he would have already been in custody. She wouldn't have put herself in that position, but that she could be trusted because she was strong and fierce and wasn't going to be bullied.
1: I get it. But it's like you can't trust the word of a criminal. I mean, it always strikes me when people are like, got a deal? Deal. It's like, how can you have a deal with someone you don't trust or who isn't trustworthy? Like Ordell.
0: Again, the... The kind of hangout aesthetic where we really get to know who these types of people are, as we saw with Ordell in the Beaumont situation, and we know we kind of come to learn who Jackie Brown is, She how she just wants to get clear and just wants to be able to work and live her life without starting over. I, I really liked the character of Jackie Brown. I really liked the character of Max because they weren't career criminals who were looking to score or whatever. You know, their motives were just for themselves and they were looking out for themselves but only because they didn't want to have to face you know a future that for criminals young criminals is is it seems like it's all ahead of you and then the same for older people but it's less certain you know less certain that you're going to make the big score that you're going to hit the big time that you're going to do all the things that you set out to achieve and you're just trying to keep your head above the water man getting old sucks <laughs> so did the heist and how complicated it was to keep track of who was double-crossing who, because at the same time that the ATF was trying to to trap Ordell, Ordell and Jackie were conspiring, at least he was led to believe, that they were tricking the FBI by switching the money, using a double, a second second person to carry the money away. And on the third level, Jackie and ultimately Max were involved in trying to Preempt that switch by taking the money for themselves from ordell, so basically and tricking the a t f
1: Jackie, a simple stewardess flight attendant who is um pretty unpresumptuous or pretty unpretentious, had
0: three hustles yep, uh, and she was forced into this position, maybe she would have been better adapt like the people in Parasite to have a different kind of life entirely, where if she had been a master criminal from the outset, she wouldn't have been an airline stewardess in her mid-40s at thirteen grand, sixteen grand a year.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So, um, so did it detract from your enjoyment of the film? Because you kind of had to pay close attention. And I've watched that film multiple times, and I still caught new things this time around.
1: I paid really close attention. There were a lot of times where I didn't exactly know what was going on, and some of those plot points weren't resolved for me. Despite being a Tarantino fan and being, and really loving some of his contemporary movies, you need context to fully appreciate and enjoy this film, I think. You need the genre context. You need the Quentin Tarantino context. And without having a ton of context, I feel like this film didn't work for me.
0: Really? Because this, I was going to say, this is almost as though you were walking into this movie in 1997.
1: Yeah, kind of. Although in 1997, I probably wouldn't have
0: watched it. Okay. (laughs) So whatever the case, older and wiser now, it it resonates differently for people uh, of my age who more closely align with, uh, with Jackie and Max than anybody.
1: Yeah. I came into this review with my mind already made up that this was a boring movie. But I really thoroughly enjoyed the conversation about it. I think it was actually more enjoyable than the film itself.
0: Boring movie, which you own now. Which Man, I this...
1: now own and may revisit. It's not. There are some boring movies where it's like, like The Revenant, where it's like, I'm kind of okay if I don't ever see that again. Although it was kind of good. Um, Jackie Brown, boring movie. might I'd definitely be open to another try.
0: Yeah, this movie, uh, Tarantino said three times before you should even talk about this movie. And I would I would agree. Um, I will give this movie an all right. Um, I can't give it a totally because it, like you said, it does require context because it does feel strange because it uh, it maybe requires uh, you having seen everything else in in Tarantino's repertoire before you tackle Jackie Brown, arguably his most complicated story. Maybe not his most complex and technically difficult film, but uh, definitely aimed for style uh, and aesthetic, which I think he hit, uh, but told a very complicated story so that I had to track it. This probably being my fifth or sixth time sitting through this movie all the way through to find out if everything that I believed from prior viewings, it was absolutely essential. Having seen this movie a number of times, I wouldn't have been prepared to discuss it in the way I did. Uh, Had we had I not watched it just, you know, recently. I'm glad you suggested it, though. Yeah, I'm giving it an all right because it's not uh, required viewing. It's an interesting movie uh, and definitely has everything in place. It just might have been deceptively throwing too much at us too quick after pulling us into what is otherwise a languid sort of hangout movie.
1: So there you got it. An all right from Wes, a boring from Iris That was our review on Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino's 1997 third film. We'd love to hear what you think about it. Give us a call at 818-835-0473 or email us at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com. Thanks to our movie fans, movie friends, for your support on Patreon. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast